You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. Here we are with Episode 6, and I want to thank everyone for your continued support and all of your kind words. Good feedback is the grease that keeps the podcast machine cranking. And I've been busy this week recording episodes and scheduling interviews for the near future. I think you'll like our guest lineup as we roll into the heat of summer. We'll be talking to researchers and conservationists and photographers, and we'll be getting into water. So bring your swimming suit and some old sneakers. We had Mr. Peter Mooney on our last show, and the response was just over the top. I knew y'all would like Pete, and I will do my best to get him back on the show at some point. And hey, Jill, your funny posts that support the show are the bomb. Thank you. Just wanted to say that. And I guess you've really made it when somebody memes you. So thanks to Cameron Burgess for making me laugh out loud. Funny stuff, dude. Much appreciated. And here we go with episode six, Origin Stories. Now this show came from an idea I had on a plane heading for Ecuador last January. Remember planes? And it all starts with some simple questions. Who are you? And why are you here? How did you get to this place? I want to know. I want to know how and why you became involved with amphibians and reptiles. Maybe it's just a little. Maybe it's a lot. But either way, you are in a special place with other special people. Nobody listening to this thinks you're a weirdo. You're among friends. We get you and you get us. It is said that there are many paths to the same place, and when I started collecting origin stories, I could see the truth in that. We all have a unique story to tell, and in this episode, we'll be hearing from five different people on how they ended up in front of my microphone. Now, I'll use myself as as an example of how this rolls. For the first nine years of my life, I lived in Orange County near Los Angeles, And herps there were a big part of our suburban landscape back in the mid and late 60s. There were swifts and alligator lizards running along our wooden fence. And the older boys in the neighborhood would bring back large gopher snakes and black and white king snakes from the brown hills above our houses. Once I was frightened by a rattlesnake on a desert camping trip. And another time I tried to catch a rattler, a neonate, with a butterfly net, although my memory of that event is a little fuzzy. At any rate, herps were there in my life, but only as a passing interest. I was really into riding bikes and collecting butterflies. It wasn't until I was a tweener in the early 70s that herps exploded into my consciousness. We lived in an old St. Louis suburb, and there was a small pile of bricks in our backyard. And turning over one brick, I found a small brown snake, or Storaria decayi as some of us prefer, And other bricks around the pile had more brown snakes under them. 
And at that moment, something shifted in my brain. Something clicked. Something popped. Snakes were here. They lived where we lived. And you can find them hiding under stuff. Down the street, I found line snakes, which are in the genus Tropidoclonium, under rocks in a neighbor's yard. And I could go to Jefferson Barracks along the Mississippi River and find racers and box turtles and prairie king snakes. It was amazing. Fortunately for me, I had a science teacher, Mr. Kreutzer, who was into herps, and he taught me much about them, and not just the science and natural history stuff, but ethics as well. Herps were creatures to be enjoyed and studied and then returned to where they were found. There's much more I can say about all this, but I owe a great deal to Donald Kreutzer. That's my origin story. And of course, herps were always a part of my life, even through marriages and kids and careers and all of the other distractions of adulthood. And in the mid-90s, I made the decision to really ramp up my field herping activities traveling further and further afield, getting involved with surveys and other conservation projects, and eventually visiting other countries. And, of course, that's not likely to stop anytime soon. Before the Internet, I knew just a handful of like-minded folks, and I felt like uh, people often regarded me as one of those weird people who wasn't quite right in the head. But in 1991, I found the Internet, or maybe it was the Internet who found me, but either way, I found my tribe. And here I am. And here we are. Our first recorded origin story comes from Jill Riles, who lives in Mesa, Arizona. Hello there. I'm here with Jill Riles, and we're talking to her as part of our origin series. Hi, Jill. Hi, Mike. So Jill and I are sitting in the middle of the Peruvian Amazon. (laughs) We just had lunch. We are sweating profusely. (laughs) And, uh, having the time of our lives. Yes, yes. yes. I, I hope you are. I am. I'm having a great time. Okay, good. Uh, and how could you not? Because like an hour ago, we got a Bushmaster. Yes. So. Uh, Edwin, one of our guides, rolls in with a Bushmaster, just comes out of the jungle with a Bushmaster in his hands. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We are, we are winning at life right now. Yeah. <laughs> so much winning. Yeah. So much winning. Yeah. So um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about... How how it is you got started in, with amphibians and reptiles, and how did how did that come to you? Um, you know, is that an early childhood thing or? Get, get, well, let's story. see. Okay, so if you, you want the long version, I'll give you. A, I'll try to <laughs> sum it up pretty yeah. quick. Well, I actually, I was very afraid of them when I was um, when I was a little Jill. Yeah, and uh, I. I am still like this. I do not like being afraid of anything. I don't. And, um, but when, um, I was little, we'd always walk down to the, um, market and get ice cream. And in, in between there was a pet store we'd always stop at and we'd go in. And of course we're looking at the puppies and the kittens and all that good stuff while I was in there. And, um, uh, I went to leave one day and the owner had a big boa out and that was in between me and the door. And I just stood in the back of the store terrified. And I was I was like eight or nine. And um, I remember just standing there just terrified. But like, I got to get out of the, I just I got to get out of the store. You're just going to have to do it. You're going to have to walk by it. And I just talked myself through it. I went back. And then on the way home, I was thinking, you got to you got to you got to touch it next time. Just touch it and just try to get yourself over it. And so I went back um, the following weekend and I did. I asked him if I could touch it. I ended up holding it and 
it was it that's, was that's a, over i i would i was obsessed after wow. that wow yeah. that's a very deterministic thing for an 8 year old yes i i don't like being afraid of anything wow i don't like it i mean if it's something that um if it's a fear that i know is irrational I can I can make myself get over it. like the bugs here and stuff like that sleeping with you know you know yeah. tailless whip scorpions I can make myself like you're okay just moving right. on but anyway so yeah so that's that's um that kind of got the um the love for it going and then um so I did a little bit of breeding with um uh, Morelia's and um that kind of stuff uh, back in the day um, and then when I met my husband he's he is terrified of snakes so yeah. I let that go did the mom thing and then I <laughs> I had a uh, rattlesnake uh, a western diamond back in my uh, backyard and I had never dealt with hots before so I called Brian Hughes from rattlesnake solutions out and um, I'm dancing in my boxers in front of the snake trying to get not let it you know don't leave the yard type thing and Brian <laughs> so Brian comes up on this stupid girl like I said just dancing around in boxers and a t-shirt in front of the snake to keep it corralled and um, after he left I just asked him I'm like, hey, you know would you mind training me on how to do this I'm sure I'm gonna get you know more snakes in my yard it had bitten my dog um, oh my gosh yeah, was your dog okay um, yes yes he was okay. he was crazy expensive bite very painful for the little fella but he he, he made it wow. fifty five hundred dollars holy yeah. cow it was not good but um yeah so i asked uh brian if he trained me and he said he, he at that point you know i mean he was still new you know still starting out and he needed somebody in the east valley so he hired me and yeah the rest wow. is history yeah no. so what do you what do you do for them um so for, i for um, i still do relocations and removals um Every once in a while, um, I do their sales um, for their, fen their for the fencing. Um, <clears throat> so I do that as a full time job now, um, and then uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I do for Rattlesnake okay. Solutions. I'll do education stuff with them too, but um, pretty much just the fencing sales. I was doing the dog training. We did aversion training, but I'm so busy with the um, sales that we we uh, let that we let that go. We found a uh, you know a partner, and he's doing they that. They take care and, of that. Yeah, and mm. he's great. So yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. And so here you are in, in the Peruvian Amazon. Uh-huh. Sweating into your microphone. <laughs> yes. Um so obviously there's more to it than just um, you know, hey, uh this crazy thing happened to me in my boxer shorts and now I'm I'm working for a company that helps other people in their boxer shorts. <laughs> yes. with yeah, I you know I just I absolutely love it. Snakes. I, I am a venom junkie. I love rattlesnakes. Um, so I think my main thing, my I, if I can do anything, it's just the education. That's my that's my main jam. I love going out and talking to kids, um, which kind of works. Is Brian? Um, he he's he likes doing the adult stuff. He's not as comfortable with the kids, so we kind of go go good there. But um, and I also do education for the Arizona Herpetological Association. I'm the education director. So um, oh, I do that. So it's it, that's actually been really cool. Um, because of that, I'm permitted through Arizona Game and Fish um, to keep a lot of animals that, you know, not everybody gets to keep. So um, I don't I can't remember my species count. We're pushing about 60 animals right now. Um, but I think as um, as a total for the club, I think we have about 42 different species of Holy rattlesnakes. Cow. So yeah, that's pretty much what the collection and display is, um, you know, based, based on is, is rattlesnakes. So hmm. yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome. That's a lot. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, it's at, rattlesnakes are easy. That's the, that's the easy yeah. one to keep. They, you know, they, you throw water in there. That's all they need. And 
a month later you can check on they're fine <laughs> not that i do not that i do that i yeah. check on them a lot more than I, that yeah, I, I realize you're simplifying easy. it yeah but yeah, yeah they're, not, they're it's it's pretty easy it's a you know feed them all at one time they usually poo all at the same time so oh. it's you know we go in wow, there get it got done them all cycled, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so awesome yeah Cool. And so now you're doing some herp traveling. Yes. This is actually my first big, first big herp trip. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think this was, I mean, as far as what everybody s- has told me, this is about as intense, as intense as you can really get. So it's a good one to start uh, at. And I, I, I got to be honest, when the first night we were super tired, we were working on like an hour of sleep and we get here, but we're so excited. We're like, okay, yeah, Matt, we'll do the long hike. And we got out there about halfway and we're just, we could not find our way back. Oops. And I'm like, okay, maybe I, I bit off a bit more than I could chew. <laughs> but after I got a, after I got a good night's sleep, I was, oh, yeah. yeah, it's just been fantastic. I, I feel like it was just a few days in and, and you said something to me like, uh, hey, how's June look for you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't wait how's to June come back. 2021 I cannot wait okay. to come back. Well, there's certainly a lot more places to, to see as well. You know, there's, uh, you know, once you get the bug. Yeah, it's it's on. That's what I, I've, I've, I'm already, um, you know, I have a good friend who's always been, you know, he's always encouraged me to get to Africa. And I've been, yeah. like, I don't know. And yeah, I, I can't wait to get back and tell him, hey, guess what? You're taking me to Africa. So. A little fire under N- your butt yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I got it. This is just, and it's nice too. I mean, my kids are older now, so, you know, it's something that I can do. So what's the kids think about Crazy Mom? And uh, you know, at first they were a little bit, you know. They they liked it. They they all liked it. Um, they were a little bit like when I bring you know home you know our uh, giant desert centipedes. You know that kind of stuff freaks them out more than the snakes do. Okay. Um, and it's it's been cool because you know them and their friends. They've been. Um, it's gotten them away from the video games. It it actually has. Oh. I mean, it's even their friends. They want to go out herping with us. You know, as they um as my daughter's gotten a little bit older, she's kind of grown out of it. Um but my, when my son lived at home, I mean, they were always going out with us and cool. you know, so it's it's been awesome. They like cool. riding around finding critters in the desert, so. It's funny the kids uh come to the realization that they just can't sit in front of their phone or their television. <laughs> Yeah, twenty four seven. If you give them something cool to look at, which I mean, herping in Arizona, it's not always like that. It can get pretty boring, but you bring a friend with yeah. them, and they they have a good time. So you, you've done some herping in Arizona, like road cruising. And oh, maybe don't, like a the ton. Mount Sky Islands. Yeah, and all that absolutely. Kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that's that's all we do. I mean we are we are out there in the field all the time. Um, you know, it's it's a progression. It's been kind of cool. I I I am so lucky that I had Brian as a mentor. He taught me, you know, really really good things he taught me you know how to herp ethically and um all that good stuff and i got to see so much cool stuff right out of you know right out the gate well you start off with a good foundation and you don't make as many mistakes exactly and 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 that's a huge thing in arizona and it's kind of a bummer because i mean i think everybody knows and anybody will tell you that arizona herpers can kind of kind of be jerks and um they're not they're not willing to help and and um you know i think that's a problem because a lot of people want to get out there and see stuff and they can um you know make really big mistakes that they're not intentionally trying to hurt the animal or anything like that but um you know just not knowing certain things can can damage it you know like den situations i absolutely love you know sitting at a den site and um but had i not learned from brian the proper way to do things you can really screw stuff up for the animals yes. so yes yeah so cool but cool. yeah you know that's good yeah anything else you want to tell our listening audience about hmm. yourself 
Uh, I, not really about myself, but man, <coughs> get your butts to Peru. This place is rad. <laughs> if I could just send for my kids, I'd be staying here. This is It's just amazing here. Not an official sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just a friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, or and get to Arizona. Hit me up. I I love taking people out. I love I love showing them what we got. Arizona. I mean, as much as I'm saying I love Peru, I, uh, there's no place like Arizona. It's my favorite. Yeah, I I need to spend more time yeah. there. It's, I have unfinished business, as they say. Ah, what do you what, what do you need? What do you need? What species? Uh, I still need that. Uh, I still need a twin spot rattlesnake, and everybody everybody listening is going, "What? How come? You know blah, what? Blah, blah. Go here. Go How here. sad is this? So do I. Yeah. So do okay. I. Okay. You know, so. it's a weirdest thing. I just don't yeah. have that much interest in going, which is so bad. Don't uh. tell anybody I said that, <laughs> <laughs> and don't tell Brian. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, Michael really wants to go bad too, so we'll probably hit it this year. But cool. Yeah. Yeah, I need to come back. I need to do. I need to get a Sonoran coral and. Uh, a couple other things. Oh, so. those, are, those are awesome. Yeah, no. yeah. awesome critters. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, it has been great to talk to you, and it's been great to, to get to know you this week, and uh, and it's been just a pleasure to wow. hang out with you we have, and Michael. And um, We really have had company. a blast. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. I'm going to be saying that a lot, like nonstop forever. So, yeah, right. it's just been great. All right. So. Well, with that, I think we'll sign off. All right. Peace out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Following Jill is Mr. Andrew Dubois from Lakewood, Colorado. Okay, we're talking with Mr. Andrew Dubois today as part of our Origins episode. And we're at our mobile recording studio in the Amazon rainforest. Say hi, Andrew. Pleasure to be here with you, Mike. So what we want to talk to you today is about where it is you came from, how you came to be, Uh, involved in amphibians and reptiles, reptology, uh, and field studies, and so on and so forth. And uh, what led you to be here today across from me uh, at the other microphone? So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you tell us about what you do, and then tell us how you got there. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm the citizen science coordinator for Jefferson County Open Space, um, based in Golden, Colorado. So it's Jefferson County, Colorado. Um, and there I do natural resources management. I do public education and, um, I do, uh, occasionally I, I lock out and get to do a little bit of research here and there, um, which has been a lot of fun. And I do some volunteer coordination, uh, collect a lot of citizen science data, uh, use a lot of volunteers, a lot of great people out there donating their time to study the wildlife in their parks. So my position is, is definitely oriented around wildlife. So it would be accurate to call me a wildlife biologist or wildlife ecologist. Um, even though the job titles kind of, what does that mean? Yes. Um, but that means that, uh, for, for us, I do a little bit outside of amphibians and reptiles, but, uh, my main focus on our team, um, our wildlife team is my emphasis is amphibians and reptiles. We have 26 species that occur in Jefferson County. Um, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. In Colorado. Yeah. Yes. Not too bad. Yeah. It's mostly snakes, but yeah. Right. About half. Okay. Uh, so before we get too far into it, I, I just want to let people know that the noises you hear in the background are either jungle noises or our kitchen staff preparing our, our noonday meal. So, uh, we'll, well, hopefully that won't be too intrusive, uh, but this this is the recording studio we have here, folks. So. I'm trying not to salivate on the microphone. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> okay. So how did it all start for you? Well, it's hard to pinpoint it because it happened early. Um, I was probably four or five years old and, um, I didn't really have a lot of natural land around me, uh, where I was growing up. I grew up in central Illinois, uh, Peoria, Galesburg, Knoxville area. One of the boys from Illinois. I'm afraid so. Yeah. And, uh, I'm in good company. And, uh, I, I do remember that I was really interested in dinosaurs. I think a lot of kids were interested in dinosaurs. And in the nineties, sure. when I was early nineties was my early childhood. Uh, the dinosaurs didn't have feathers yet. We were, right. we were still very much in the, in the Jurassic park rendering where they were just big, very cool lizards. Yes. And Who ate I, lawyers. yes, they did. Yeah. And, uh, I thought that that was, uh, striking. I remember that that just kind of seared into my mind and I was uh, simultaneously terrified and enthralled by the look of them. And, uh, I also remember, you know, kids show that was going on at the time. People watch power Rangers and the power Rangers theme in the, those early nineties, the, the Zords, the robots that the power Rangers used were shaped <laughs> yeah. like prehistoric animals. And some yes. of them were flying reptiles, pterosaurs. One of them's a Tyrannosaurus and so that probably had something to do with it in my four so, or five year old brain, but really wrinkling your brain with that stuff. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, for whatever reason. So I, I think that was just what prepared the, the fertile soil in my mind for when I moved to a farm, my mother married my, my stepdad and we moved out to a farm in Knoxville, Illinois, and we had, uh, three acres that were not tilled. We had a cattle pasture. We had, um, kind of a wet meadow, a uh, big farm pond. And that was where I remember seeing, uh, very clearly my first herps, uh, just while I was walking the grounds. And I think just the first time I looked at a frog, the first time I looked at a snake, I thought, well, dinosaurs are dead, but those, those look like them. And boy, isn't that neat? They're right here. Yes. I can leave my house and go look at those and yeah. spend so much time looking at them. Right. And so you've sort of moved from this fictional landscape to the real landscape. I did. And yeah. it's still, uh, that, that acreage was, it was small in hindsight, but that was my entire world at that time. And there was so much to explore within that. And at that point, you know, we, we had a family video there in Galesburg that you could rent documentaries and family films from for free. And so I didn't, I had lost all interest in cartoons at that point. I, <laughs> I wanted yeah. every nature documentary I could get my hands on. Yeah. My, my parents used to crack up. I'd, I'd, um, like grab a pickle out of the, out of the, uh, refrigerator and I would try to like gulp it down like an alligator or gulp <laughs> down a fish, you know, so it was really weird. Uh, uh, don't you but, wish we had video of that? Oh uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't think anybody needs to see that. I was, yeah, stranger, stranger then. So did you do the now. whole animal planet, Steve Irwin thing? Um, well, I or? did, I did watch that. I think the spectacle of it was more with my stepdad. I, I never, you know, I, I caught frogs. I think I was nervous a lot around snakes when I, cause I, I knew even when I was young that some of them were weren't good and some right. to, to <laughs> handle and some of them were and I always liked looking at them I always thought that was fun yeah. but uh, I didn't I didn't want to pick them up as much as I picked up frogs or turtles turtles really my my gateway reptile was was a was turtles uh, we had painted turtles and red-eared sliders uh, and snapping turtles. And I remember one good freeze we had on our farm pond. My stepdad and I walked out. I must have been six or seven years old. And we could see these, you know, 20, 30-pound common snapping turtles sitting up under the ice. Yeah. Um, and that was transformative yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Uh, it, Every it, time I see a picture of that online, 
you know, some snapper under the ice is just, just kind of rocks my world. You know, Absolutely. Like, it, it does not get old. It's yeah. awesome. And, and so I think that really kind of got me into it. And, um, I took a, there, there was a little while there where I kind of got away from it. Uh, just kind of, my life kind of took a turn where I focused more on other things. It was, tends to happen sure. through my teenage years. And, um, but I, you know, that was always in the back of my head. It was always an interest of mine. And when I was in school, I was doing pre-medicine and then I had a professor that grabbed me and said, you know, Steve, his name's Steve Johnston. He's North Central College uh, professor of cell biology. And he said, you know, you, what are you doing for work this summer? And so he took me into his lab and I had to do some work on uh, yeast uh, signal transduction pathways. So that was fun. But that was kind of my gateway into research. And I kind of forgot all oh, about wanting to do medicine. Okay. Um, I, I became interested more and in, turned you to the dark side. I'm did. afraid so. Yeah. So he's uh, he definitely I, I owe him and, and a couple of my other professors a lot in terms of steering me toward research. And mm. Uh, fortunately for me, um, perhaps unfortunately for me, for him, uh, we hired, um, an evolutionary biologist, uh, Greg Ruthig, and he's a frog guy, um, at the college. And so I wound up working with him to kind of turn that research interest back to that original interest of mine, um, amphibians and reptiles. So I got yeah. to start working on frogs for the first time, uh, in my twenties. And after that, um, you know, I started out mostly doing disease ecology. That was kind of my transition mm -hmm. from that cell biology, microbiology into a more ecological perspective. And, you know, from the beginning of the episode here, you interview here, you probably know I'm more a field ecologist now. I don't do any lab work. Yes, but, but you're you got some firm feet in that in that world. Yes, it's know. it's very valuable to know what tools there are and what can be done with them. And if ever we need to answer certain questions, I know what techniques we need to use. I I know people that we could talk to about that. So it's sure. It's and we really, all really know it's it's not turtles. It's really microbes all the way down. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Zoom in far enough. But uh, yeah, I, I started out doing. Um, uh, I was trying to design a quantitative polymerase chain reaction detection method for oomycetes or water molds. Uh, they're pathogens of uh, amphibian eggs. Some species are, uh, or predators, I guess, really. Um, it's not a disease. They just eat them by growing hyphae into the, the egg jelly. And uh, we were, they're very difficult to identify uh, under the microscope. A lot of the taxonomy on them focused on, uh, you know, structures that would be exposed and the, their sex structures, whatever. And a lot of that changes shape depending on the temperature that oh, you're culturing really? them in. Mm -hmm. So uh, descriptive, um, identification, and you'd find this with most small organisms, uh, is just extremely difficult. Um, we wound up, uh, deciding that a molecular technique was a little bit better, but that was my first time I got to go out and do field work and look for oh, cool. egg masses. Yeah. And I got to take, you know, if I found uh, an egg that had been colonized by some of that water mold with saprolegnia or whatever, I'd got to collect the egg. And, uh, that was just a lot of fun. Cool. Um, from there, I, after I graduated, 
Um, it took me a little while to find a job. A lot of a lot of biologists starting out. That's yes. that's a little bit. Yeah. Of, I I went back. I did some carpentry. As is the style of the time. Yeah, I, I worked at a steel and wire mill for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, valeted cars at a hospital yeah. in Peoria. And but then, you stuck with it. Yeah, I did. And then uh, then I I lucked out. Steve Kimball was a postdoc in Rod Williams' lab at Purdue University. He hired me to work on their eastern box turtle disease ecology study uh, that they were doing um, on the U S fish and wildlife service property down in Southern Indiana. And so I got to do, it was still mostly laboratory work, but I got to have guaranteed long field day every two weeks. And I also rod slab, um, works on hellbenders. And so I got tapped to do my first, uh, hellbender work at that time. And so my first wild salamander, was the Eastern <laughs> Hellbender? You heard it here, folks. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> so that was that was a lucky yeah. break for me. But yeah, at, at that, that is not a, a traditional path. No, so. no. So that that definitely that was a very valuable transition through there. I, I met the then state herpetologist for Indiana, Sarah Beth Clemundy. Yeah, and uh, she hired me on. Um, the following year to do the radio telemetry VHF transmitter work on some of those Eastern box turtles we were releasing. And, uh, that was my first full field job. I was out, you know, every week, all the time I was outside tracking box turtles in bottomland hardwood forests in Southwest Indiana. And that was when I started working at Wesselman nature society down there in Evansville where I was living and got introduced to John Scott Foster, who's their executive director. He moved on from there since, but John would go on to introduce me to Joe Ehrenberger. Ah, Joe. Yes. And Joe, Joe and Joe Ehrenberger is who introduced me to Tim Warfel, Colorado Partners in Amphibian and Reptile Conservation, which is the organization of which I'm now a co-chair along nice. with Tim. Um, and by extension, that's how I met you, Mike, and our friends that are here in Amazonia today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your path of progression. And, <laughs> sure. Uh, Hope and, it was uh, concise enough. Yeah, and uh, uh, at some point we'll sit down again. Maybe we, uh, when we when I uh, show up in Colorado next month, we'll uh, sit down and talk some something more specific. But, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Thanks for giving us your origin story. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's All been right. fun. Thanks. Thank you. That was great. Perfect. Perfect. You just got to give me the cue. Up next is Cynthia Samake, who lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I'm talking this morning with Cynthia Samake, and we're here to get her origin story and uh, find out how it is she ended up here at the Madre Selva Biological Reserve on, in the Peruvian Amazon. And that noise you hear in the background is our uh, kitchen staff preparing our, our uh, noonday meal. Our mobile recording studio is in the dining hall of, of the uh, field station here. And uh, while I've got a bunch of folks uh, as a captive audience, I'm going to find out what it is that brought them here. So, hi, Cynthia. Hello, Mike. <laughs> How are you? It's good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you across the table. So, um, so I came to the Amazon because of a, really a lifelong interest in nature. Uh, my grandmother was a biology teacher, and when I was very young, my grandfather made me cages, screened cages, and caught things like, um, in the California Valley, he caught tarantulas and horned lizards for me, and taught me to love all those creatures. 
And then when I was in uh, early teenager stage, I ordered you could back in the day you could order reptiles on not online sorry <laughs> you Out could the order them yeah. with an envelope with money in the envelope that you sent to the company and they sent me uh, various snakes and things in cloth bags and looking back on it i see that my parents were really uh, tolerant to accept all that yes and then um later on i was an art major in college and kept up the interest, but really didn't do much about it. Um, at one point, I um, took a, a scientific illustrations class from Chuck, Dr. Chuck Stasek at Sonoma State, who was wonderful. And later on, um, I got to take, I believe it was Dr. S Robert Stebbins' last field trip to the Mojave Desert. I got to be part of that group and it was absolutely life-changing for me. He so was you wonderful. So spent a number of days in the field with Dr. Stebbins. We spent a week with that wonderful man and we learned so much about doing field notes, about observation, and he illustrated People may, listeners may know, but he illustrated all his own field manuals of reptiles and amphibians. Yes. And that was very, very interesting to uh, me. A lot of people listening to this right now are very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we did a sort of a car caravan in the Mojave Desert, and he would noose things, and the whole procedure was fascinating. He would noose things, and we would um, photograph them, and then you know he would let them go right away. And it was the whole experience was absolutely wonderful. So when I was on my weird, uh, my Facebook page one day, I- We're, we're fast forwarding here, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're, no, we're, we're fast forwarding sometime into the future here, right? Yes. Yes. I'm okay. sorry, Mike. That's okay. We're fast forwarding and I didn't do much about reptiles and amphibians over the years after the Dr. Stebbins experience, but- I was always interested, and I was always drawing things, and and liked to to draw very um, detailed illustrations of of um, natural materials. I was on Facebook one day and saw the North American Field Herping Association page little ad on the side. Oh, cool! And I clicked on it. I thought, wow, this sounds really interesting. And I clicked on it and I read the mission statement that had been written by Mike Pingleton here. And it was so kind and so gentle and friendly and welcoming that I just joined the group instantly. Oh, well, that's good to hear. It, al it also served as a warning, <laughs> you know, <laughs> has to have a little bit of a warning shot in there too, but yeah, that's True, good to hear. It does, but I like the, the parts that applied to me or my possibilities yeah, I, it, within I'm, that group. I'm glad were, to hear that. We're positive. Yes. So after a while of reading the posts that people put about their snakes that they had found and, and their other creatures that they would put on the website, on the Facebook page, I noticed that they had a trip to the Amazon. And I instantly signed up. I think I was one of the first people yeah, to sign up. I think you were. Yeah. And I was very excited about it. And 
during the interval between signing up for the trip and actually going, uh, various people such as my husband and various friends said, huh, so you're going to the Amazon with a bunch of guys you met on Facebook. (laughs) I said, yep. Trouble brewing. (laughs) Yep, I really am. (laughs) So this is my second time with Mike and his uh, cohort, Matt Cage. And I absolutely loved the first time and and, um, came back for a second trip. And I've also been to Cuba with them where we went out in the Cuban... um, Countryside. Countryside, (laughs) finding finding various various creatures, too. So basically, that's my story. That's how I ended up here, um, sweating in the jungle, (laughs) (laughs) having a great time. And of course, it was so so great to have you on that first trip, and and we like you so much, we'll we'll take you anywhere you want to go, you know. (laughs) Thank you. You're great. You travel well. You're, You're a renowned world traveler. And so that's sort of my cue to you let the uh, the audience out there let them know what it is you do, uh, what you're doing currently. Uh, I mean, you just got up from sketching a Katie did to talk to me, but that's tell true. us about what you do out there in the real world. That's true. I, um, as I said, was an art major in college, and then I went on to do my master's in carnival costume and become somewhat of a textile expert. And by carnival, we mean... Bolivian carnival, yeah, sorry. Not Midwestern carnival. No, bo- carnival, carnival in yeah. Bolivia. Good. All right. And then I um, began a travel company that is focuses on textile trips, textiles and, and festival trips. And so now that is... Uh, how I make a living. We go, um, I take groups of people um, to various countries around the world, um, India, Thailand, uh, Turkey, um, various places where they make exquisite, wonderful textiles and or have fabulous festivals. And those things so are tied together, right? Because they make, they make these wonderful uh, uh, things to wear and then they wear them and it, it's very colorful and uh, if you're a follower of, of Cynthia on Facebook, she posts these. Every picture she posts has just got these a riot of colors in it from the the the, the outfits that tra- traditional peoples wear, mm-hmm. and it's, it's all quite fascinating. Okay. And what's the name of your of your? My outfit? company is called Behind the Scenes Adventures, and we pride ourselves on going and visiting uh, places and people that normal tourists don't. Uh, usually get to see right so it's not off the beaten path but it's not the the canned you know right. canned bus tour stuff right, right? some you're, of it's off the beaten and, path and yes you're, you and your clients are you know you're rubbing elbows with the folks that actually harvest the fibers dye them spin them weave them you do the whole all the things right exactly uh, and exactly. uh you, you they get the the folks that come on your tours get the uh they interact, they get an immersion, right? They get to talk with those people and, and, and there's some, uh, meet them and learn from them. Learn from them. Yes. And you yes. guys, you guys do some craft projects when mm-hmm, it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. We so. often have, we often have hands-on workshops in yeah. during our tours. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's yes. fascinating to me. And, uh, on our first trip to the Amazon with Cynthia, we did a, uh, four or five day pre-trip up to Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, we actually got to, to do a little bit of the fabric and textile stuff. And it was very interesting to me, actually. Uh, if I had more money, 
<laughs> in more time, <laughs> it would be fun to, to learn more about that. But uh, uh, so I'm glad to have you along and Thank I look you. forward to uh, talking to you, microphone or not in the future. So. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Cynthia. Our fourth origin story is from Elizabeth Hughes, who lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello. This morning, we're talking with Elizabeth Liz Hughes, and we're sitting here in the Peruvian jungle. We just had breakfast, and uh, it rained last night, and then we're in my sweaty, stinky hut. Uh, also known as a mobile recording studio. And welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you for having me. Or is it Jungle Liz? It's Jungle Liz this oh, time. Okay, very good. So um, I, I've asked you here into this wreck of a building to just chat with you a little bit about your origin story. How did you become involved with Herps? What's your story? How did it happen for you? All right. So um, I've always been in the desert. I grew up in the desert and we would see snakes once in a while and it was kind of a big deal. We didn't know what to do. We didn't kill them or anything, but uh, we probably believed most of the myths and things and um, kind of stayed away from them. Didn't think much of them. I moved to Arizona and I actually joined a wildlife club, which was funny because I was the only non-wildlife major in the club. So... Um, huh. It was funny how this whole thing happened, but um, <laughs> was it was it on a whim or? Um, I I liked how they went out. They went out hiking. They went out looking for things. I thought I could learn a little bit more. So um, that was kind of a little bit of a start. Like they would be catching lizards and stuff, and I was like, "What are you guys doing? I can barely even hike up this mountain. Like I'm trying to just breathe, and you guys are catching lizards right now." <laughs> so yeah, whole new planet for you. It was a whole new planet, and then um, after I graduated and started an internship at a technical company, I met um, my now husband, Brian, and um, he said that he photographed wildlife. Um, I think he was trying to not scare me. <laughs> we, we do that a lot in this, in the, in the herping community. We start yeah. out with when, you know, people say, well, you know, what are, what are you doing? You, oh, well, I, I photograph wildlife. <laughs> yeah. Very specific kind of wildlife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he seemed like he was hiding something, but I accepted it. <laughs> so, um, eventually, so despite that rocky start. <laughs> yeah, eventually it came out that he looked for snakes, and I was like, that's cool. <laughs> uh, but I stayed with him anyway. And um, Well, he has other, you know, redeeming qualities. Or... He had a really good car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting to the truth of it here. Yeah, I liked his car. Awesome. <laughs> so, um he took me out looking for snakes when it was like 50 degrees out and we just kept driving up and down a road and I was like, we're not going to find anything like that. How do you even find snakes driving up and down a road? Um, but we ended up finding the coldest Mojave rattlesnake in the entire universe. <laughs> and um, he and his friend were um, moving it out of the road and they said, do you want to, do you want to hold it on the hook? And I was like, okay, yeah this is really exciting. Like I could do this. And they gave it to me. And Brian said, if you drop this, you kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know he was joking, but at the time I thought, yeah, if I drop this scary Mojave rattlesnake, um, it's gonna just shoot for my neck. So, <laughs> but yeah, that thing was not moving. It was so cold outside. I can't believe it was even out. Yeah. And then um, 
I kind of cascaded from there. And I started going with him to his education events because he owns Rattlesnake Solutions. And eventually I started helping with the education events and teaching people about rattlesnakes. And the more I learned, the less scary and, and wild they were, the more interesting mm -hmm. yeah. the snakes were. And we would go out every single weekend looking for different kinds of snakes. And now I'm in the jungle. Yeah, here you are. And so along the way, you're getting your, your hiking bones, you know, you're yes. learning to live outdoors and in a very hot climate. And yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's, that's quite a change for, uh, and your, your major was in, uh, technological entrepreneurship and management. And now, which is a very, very new, yeah. uh, degree program, right? Yeah. So, so it was probably a big surprise to everyone that I was in the club with, uh, that I ended up with the rattlesnake business. <laughs> Yeah, you just never know where life's going to take you. No, right? you do not. Yeah. So, how are you liking it down here? This is—is is this your first trip outside of the country to look for reptiles and amphibians, or have you gone somewhere no. else? No, I've gone to Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah, and I really hope to go to Mexico too soon. Okay, um, but this is the furthest I've been for sure. And yet, you're—you know—not in a disagreeable time zone. Yeah, we just I, kind of flew south. Right? Yeah, we just went straight south, basically. Yeah. yeah. So if you, is, is it the snakes or are you, you, you find it all interesting, you know, um, what's, what's your take on that? Are you snake centric? You I, know, are you part of the cult of the golden worm? <laughs> I, I love the snakes, but since I'm out here, I have been looking at all the insects and, and everything is really amazing. Actually, I've always wanted to go to the Amazon rainforest since I was a kid. So every single living thing here is amazing to me. Were you a little overwhelmed when you got here? I mean, I remember my first trip down here. It was like I couldn't turn around with, without seeing something new. And, yeah. and it was almost like sensory overload. Yeah. Did, the first, did you feel that? The first day we got here when we started hiking um, at Madre Selva, we hiked for six and a half hours. And we were already so exhausted when we got there that... By the end of the hike, after I had photographed every single creature that we saw, I was about to pass out on the trail. <laughs> it was definitely an overload. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because um, Alexander von Humboldt, one of the early European explorers in, in South America, basically wrote the same thing. You know, if I find one more new thing, I shall lose my mind. <laughs> and it's just true. It's yes. you know, every plant is new. Every bug is new. Yes. Everything is new. And now so. there are spiders just scurrying under our feet and we're like, yeah, you can just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a picture of yeah. you this time. Yeah. Cause all the spider stories got around camp and the spider you know. stories are scary. Yeah. 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 So, um, also you have a, a daughter, Ren. Yes. Who's pretty cool. It's kind of cool to see her, you and her on Facebook getting mm -hmm. out and, and sometimes Brian gets out with you, but, uh, you're also interested in other things out in the desert besides animals. You want to yes. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I look for a lot of archeological things in the Southwest and I photograph them and try to make it so that people also appreciate them as much as I do. And leave them alone. So rather than taking them for their own personal collections, artifacts, pieces of pottery, things like that, um, I'm hoping to convince people to leave them where they are as part of the archaeological record. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I think you do a good 
good job of that on Facebook because you're you you posted and you very carefully say left where found. Yes. Undisturbed, <laughs> which which I think is really cool, you know. And, yeah. And it's sort of counter to what people often do, which is try to capture a moment and hang on to it. So they're like, that's mm -hmm. mine. I'll take that home with me and put it yeah. on my shelf and I'll look at it once a year. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't know that it's wrong too. Yeah. Uh, they, they see something really amazing and they're excited and they take it and they probably never think about it again. So yeah. they're taking some important piece of history that could have solved a little piece of the puzzle. Right. So all and context is removed from that. The context object. is removed. It's gone. What is the most useless. exciting found object for you? What was, could, do you have one Ooh, that just that kind of blew your mind or? That's very hard. Uh, some pieces of painted pottery that are just so incredibly intricate or pieces of pottery where you can still see fingerprints of the maker. Oh, wow. That's amazing really? to me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's a connection there, right? Across yes. the, you don't know how old it is. But you know it's pretty old, so there's right. But there's still a connection to somebody who made that. Yeah, so. and you're just walking along in the middle of absolutely nowhere. You're not near any modern trails, and you see pottery on the ground. You see uh, flakes from tool making, and you know you're not really alone there. People have yeah. been there before you. <laughs> people with their own lives, their own feelings, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, and it's a big mystery. Yeah. Who made this, you know? Yeah, and then well, you just get deeper and deeper, just like in the snakes. Um, it's the same kind of thing where you just spiral down into the depths of the information. So um, what do you, you see? More more herb travel, more uh, adventure travel in your future then? Of course. I, I like the term adventure travel because it's not always just about, you know, ticking something off your life list or something. Yeah, it's, it's the whole experience. Yeah. It's amazing. You get to see... Um, different places, different people. You get to meet new people. It's yeah. very fun. Yeah, the world kind of shrinks as it gets bigger. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, and you're, I hope, I assume you hope to take your daughter out and have more experiences with her. And yes. Take her to cool places. And yeah, I want to teach her that the world is not just her house, you know, yeah. how she lives. Yeah. It's a lot bigger than that. That's cool. And uh, I, I came to world travel late mm -hmm. and i really wish i'd started earlier but you know raising kids and you know all that kind of stuff so uh kind of kind of got in the way but uh i think you start your kids out small then they obviously then they want to travel more when they grow up mm -hmm. they're willing to go other places and yeah. they're not afraid of other people and yeah i want to make her stronger than i am Ah. If she can hold a giant water bug when she finds it, <laughs> because I, I draw the line at that, um, then I will have succeeded. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to check back in and see how how you, the progress is going with yeah. her. So, well, thanks for coming on the show today and talking to us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank and, you uh, very much. I've enjoyed your uh, getting to know you down here in the Amazon and yeah. uh, look forward to uh, giving you a new nickname somewhere else. Too, so. <laughs> It'll be bad, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. And last but not least is Justin Michaels from Pekin, Illinois. Hello, everyone. I'm here talking with Justin Michaels. Say hi, Justin. Hello, everyone. Uh, Justin lives in Illinois, like me. He's from Peoria, and uh, we've known each other for quite a long time. I'm not sure where we met, Justin. Was it at Snake Road? It may have been. 
But I don't know that it was. It might have been at some Herp conference. Yeah, maybe. It was a long time ago. I think we've been friends for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I brought you on this particular episode, uh, which is our Herper origin episode, to find out how you got involved in all this. Mm-hmm. And, sure. And uh, you know, kind of give us your, your backstory. Uh, well, if you ask my mother, I've been interested in snakes. She said since I was a kid, I would bring them home, four or five years old. And she wasn't very excited about that at all. And uh, if I were to go fishing, I would usually drop my fishing pole and scout for snakes. That was uh, always on my mind as a kid. Um, As I got older and you're allowed to roam further on your own, creeks became my everyday obsession. Um, I understand that. And so uh, my fondest memories are almost all of doing something in a creek. And that could be netting. Uh, we, a lot of time I was doing seine nets, trying to catch turtles with seine oh. nets. So I had two brothers and I would usually be the one that would go neck deep in the Creek and drag the dirty parts of the water with the seine while they were, <laughs> they were more shallow towards the bank and we would catch turtles and any snakes we found and frogs and, uh, cool. any of it. And I was just always obsessed with it. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't learn there was a word for it until well into adulthood yeah i don't know what did you call it back then I, looking looking for turtles or yeah just turtle trapping or something yeah just going out and i i don't even know we didn't have a word for it, it was just go in the woods or go to the creek and that's what yeah. understood that's what we were doing you know i wonder how many people got their start by going to the creek you know it seems like such a just a common typical thing right the, the creek by the house and that's where yeah. all the, the critters are yeah, I um, the funniest memory that my mom or my aunt would say, like I have an aunt that we were close to and cousins we were close with, and at Halloween we would go together as a group of kids, kind of on our own. And I remember the jack o' lantern round pumpkin uh, that you carried your candy in, and I dumped that out once because I found probably four or five milk snakes that were just little hatchlings, and I dumped my candy right out and I stuck them in my little jack-o'-lantern and i took them back and my aunt lost it and i wanted that's to keep, hardcore bro i wanted that's to keep hardcore. them so badly i wanted to keep them <laughs> wow. um, yeah i i always loved them i secretly kept snakes in aquariums uh in my room as a kid and we get caught and have to let them go and yeah um, yeah yeah and so when you when you grow up as uh, most people when they get of a certain age the you gets you know uh, replace you you find uh you find girls or you find boys or whatever it is you're you're yeah and i uh, was guilty and uh that kind of goes away for a while well for me it was football um i played football from from about nine years old into high school and that became a uh, really strict discipline where even when you weren't playing you had to play a second sport and you had to always be in the weight room and you you know if you wanted to start if you wanted to be serious so i probably dropped it at 15 or so uh as i got really serious about lifting weights and playing sports and i immediately got back into it right after high school when that wasn't a distraction ah okay um, so and uh, when did you when did you i mean you've done some traveling yeah um, a little and you've been to some caribbean islands and stuff and so when did did was that part of the herping experience too yeah yeah um Probably the coolest thing, uh, I went to Dominica um, and I saw uh, four 
insular boas there uh, that are not like any other boas I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's film days, and I don't have those pictures, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I hear um, you. I struck out in Aruba um, on the uh, – I saw a lot of cool things in Aruba, but I didn't see um, the rattlesnake, you know. Um, but I'm not alone. There are other people that struck out, and some people have incredible success. I don't know if it's time of year or – or yeah. it's a very small island seems hit or miss yeah and i don't um, know i'm not an expert in fact my, i had a trip to aruba on the books for this year of course that it's gone <laughs> yeah well for now it's, uh, it, it's very reminiscent of southern california to me um same type of landscape and it's a very small island and there's basically just a huge rock pile in one part of the island. And I asked all of the locals and uh, even hired a guy to take me out uh, that said he knew and didn't find anything, though. Oh, well, you're not the only person like that, I think. So, no, I'm not. It's not a it's it's not just a club I'm in, unfortunately. Right. But and so that it was sort of your sol- solitary pursuit of. Yeah, a lot of that I didn't have. This is kind of early days of the Internet, and uh, the only groups I really knew of them were just keeper groups. There weren't really – I didn't find field hurt for them uh, until later where I found there were people doing this that that knew how to target things, knew where to go. Um, All the information I didn't have yet. Um, Yeah. And so that was sort of like uh, an eye-opening experience, would you say? Yeah. it was wonderful and terrifying all at once because I realized I was a horrible photographer. Um, <laughs> there were so many, so many people that were taking these National Geographic quality uh, pictures. Like Matt Cage and his father, I remember immediately uh, being just stunned at the photos that they would put up. Yeah. They're incredible pictures. Yeah. Well, Matt grew up, you know, his dad was a herper, so he, he, he hatched as a herper. That's very, that's kind of rare, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least from our generation. So, well, not only uh, that, but his photography skills were like nothing I had ever seen. And they were just yeah. ca- casually putting 30 pictures out there. Uh, it was wonderful. It, and it was wonderful. And it opened up a new world to me where just because of that site, uh, I've got friends that are some of my very best friends because of that website. Yeah. Yeah. And more trips, right? Yeah, more, more trips, trips more places. Friends. Yeah, more trips, more places. And yeah. this community is so great that people often, um, it's almost like, you know, hey, come hang out and they'll put you up and they'll take you out and you'll enjoy their company and you'll be fast friends. And then you're happy to do it right back. You're happy to say, come to where I live and I'll do the same thing for you. And um, do you think that's just as, it's a to me, that's an important component of it, right? Is having fun and and hanging with friends and making new friends. That's all. It's almost, yeah, it's to me, it's wonderful. The community overall is wonderful and supportive and full of really good people. Uh, And like I said, I've made so many fast friends with it's, I don't know. It's, incredible. It's incredible. The the community to me has been incredible. Yeah. Herping by yourself kind of sucks. It can't. (laughs) Well, my wife calls it my medicine. And sometimes she says, uh, you know, Hey, when's the last time you went out for a hike? And then I know, okay, I'm going to go check my board lines or, or, you know, something like that. And, and it, it does do something for me. Uh, Yeah. Even if I'm not finding things just to go walking in a Creek or the woods or a sand prairie. uh, It's nice. I like it a lot. It's my medicine, my medicine, but if I can share it with friends that I feel so much, I don't know, like 
pride, you know, and everybody has that. Everybody has these different habitats and areas and animals that they know and understand. It's hard to go. For me, it was hard to go to someplace like Aruba and not understand anything. Like I said, this is, oh gosh, this is so long ago when I did all these travels before I had kids. And uh, to just go someplace and just jump in and just Southern California was that way for me. I went to Southern California and Mexico and, and uh, Baja and these islands and stuff. God, 95, 96. Oh, wow. I didn't really have uh, anything except money. No knowledge, no idea what I was yeah. doing. I had old books with range maps and it would just be an entire grade in county. It didn't say, you know, elevation or. Right. Uh, Habitat <laughs> preferences and things right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, so fast forward to today and you're married, you've got two, two boys and you're back in the creeks. Yeah. Yeah. They, know, with, with uh, the they, they ask. Uh, so I, I work through the week and weekends I'm off and they ask to go to the creeks. That's a big deal to go to the, spend the day in the creek is awesome for them. They love it. I love it. Yeah. Especially during hot weather, right? I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and we're lucky that around here where I live, uh, the creeks almost always have water. Uh, sometimes higher than others. Sometimes it's even where I don't let them get into certain parts because it's going too high, too fast. But there's always water to splash around. There's almost always frogs. And there's almost always some kind of snakes around these creeks, even if it's water snakes. Cool. And garters, cool. yeah. Yeah. And, of course, your your boys have different interests, too. Yes. Um, I've got a birder. Um, and they both think snakes are okay. They're not scared of them, <laughs> but they're not scared of them, but they're not altogether as excited as I am. I think that's victory. You you can't expect them to be little rubber stamp clones of you, right? No, so. but it's weird that, you know, you, you get to the creek and one of them says, did you bring my binoculars? <laughs> I say, oh, we don't need binoculars for snakes, but I did bring your net. And he's like, well, yeah, I'll use the net, but you didn't bring my binoculars. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you have to you have to share with uh, with the audience yeah. the story where, where your son, um, I can't remember which one. It, it, it was Silas. Silas. The older um, boy. Sat you down. Yeah, and and and, and told you how it was in regard to birds and herps. Yeah, so I had just gotten the book American Snakes uh, by Sean Graham, and I was really excited to read it. And I had sat down and I was reading it. And he said, would you read some of that book to me? And I said, sure. And so uh, I started reading some of the book to him and he thought it was pretty neat. Started asking me questions about taxonomy and why are they named what they're named and what do their names mean? And we had meaningful conversation. And then the next day, uh, he was sitting in our sunroom where the bird feeders are, and he was watching birds. And he had a Sibley book in his lap. And my wife says, um, "Can you go talk to Silas? He won't, he needs to talk to you." And she sounded very serious and somber. And I said, "Okay." So I sat down on the bench next to him, and I said, "What's going on, buddy?" And he said, "Well, I just I just want to tell you something." And I said, "Okay, what?" And he's a very shy kid, and he said, uh, "I just want you to know I think snakes are really great, but what if I wanted to learn about birds?" <laughs> it was a really weird moment and i just said well birds are great and he said well he goes what if i like birds more than snakes and i said oh really and he said what if i like birds a lot <laughs> and so i felt a little defeated yeah, but he didn't want to hurt your feelings because he, no, he knows didn't. how much you love snakes and hurts. Yeah, no, he didn't want to hurt my feelings, so he took yeah. me down gently. It was like being, uh, it's like being dumped in junior high. <laughs> 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 I love my, that story. 
And my younger son, he birds likes are great. But have you seen birds? Yeah. <laughs> my younger son, he kind of just wants to be in the woods, in the forest. And he, if he sees mushrooms, he wants to know about them. And that's really where he, he just wants to be out there. And then if there's a mushroom, what is it? Can you eat it? What does it do? You know, he, and so I'm trying to learn mushrooms so that I can tell him more about mushrooms as well. Yeah. But that's a tough world. That's a tough yeah. world. Yeah, I don't know much about them, I have to say. I'm getting better, but it's, I'm not uh I don't feel comfortable to eat anything yet at all, so. So, you've we've well, we've done a number of trips together. Yeah. Uh, we've been to some cool places sure. and had some great times and some hilarious things have happened. Oh yeah. Um, but is there somewhere you'd like to go that that you haven't been and anything on your on your radar? I kind of I want to do a monsoon trip sometime uh, in Arizona and because I've only done a a very short trip to Arizona and it was hot. And so I'd like to do that. And I'd also kind of like to go to the southeast and there's huge turtle diversity. Um, Yes. And so I think it would be pretty cool to get my eyes on a lot of turtles in a small geographic area. So those are two things that I think about a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's hard for me now to be as carefree as I once was, uh, used to be in their early days when Talene and I were together with no kids, I would just say, Hey, I'm going to be gone and my phone may not be available for five days, but when I can check in, I'll check in and and she'd say, okay, have fun. And I can't do that anymore. So I don't make those big plans like I used to. Right. Um, I don't think about those big plans as much as I used to, but, uh, I still miss it, but I'm not missing anything, if that makes sense. Sure. Uh, you still get out of some. Yeah, I get out some. Yeah. Sure. I don't feel <laughs> well, like you I, and I. You and I got out a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. You came to your, see me. Yeah. One of your local sand prairies. And yeah. What did we see that day? Did we see any? Uh, we didn't see much. It was kind of hot and dry. We saw a race runner and some toads, and we saw a lot of cool prairie. A lot of, yeah. a lot of plants were blooming. A lot of things were blooming, um, and it's beautiful a couple of those places are beautiful sand prairies which is yeah a rarity yeah. everything's under the plow uh, right and, and when you go to those places i mean even if you don't you're not doing very well it's still great to be out there yeah you know? and we were obviously the only people out there <laughs> yeah there's nobody around that no yeah. everybody overlooks these areas and that's fine by me yeah um, and not that many people go there anyway no probably not other nature lovers. So I did connect with the person that manages those areas though. Um, and they're doing ornate box turtle studies. And I asked them if I could be oh. a part of asking if I could be a part of it next time they're out there. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get your hand in there a little bit still. Yeah. That's one target I want to find badly in my area that I haven't seen in my home County. I've yet to see an ornate box turtle. And one of the places I took you to, they, they have found three there. So they're there. I don't think that's, what I'd call huge numbers, but they've been able to, to radio track three. Wow. Okay. So they're there and I, and I'm pretty sure they're there. There's evidence of the way the, there's lots of cactuses and they're, they're blooming right now. They just started to bloom. Yeah. And they'll put fruit on as the summer goes on. And then those fruits will have really, uh, you know, the indicative sign of a beak has pecked a couple bites out of them. Ah, yeah. So it's, yeah. that's that's unmistakable for anybody who's kept tortoises. Well, you're, it's exciting too because I mean we have where I live. I'm ninety ninety miles from you, and we have nothing. You know, it's it's corn country. It's the great corn desert over here. 
So coming over where you're at and just, you know, even if I see a, a bite out of a prickly pear, it's pretty cool. So you have things I don't, though. You have wood frogs and you have small mouse salamanders. I don't have either of those. Yes. And we uh, have the unisexual ambistomid. You do have those. <laughs> Poly, polyploids, right, is the is the I don't even know what they call them now. They call them like chromosomal names. Yeah. Yeah. But we have that weird salamander over here, too. Yeah. So. But I guess we have some herbs, but you ha- yeah, you've so you've just got to look for the the herbs are always greener on the other side of the exactly pasture. yeah the yeah. people in Kansas probably think that they don't have I don't know what but something and well we have our ringnecks and milk snakes have <laughs> <laughs> wonderful milk snakes yeah and we have seen some of those oh yeah <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably that's one of my favorite trips with you and some other guys is Kansas. I like going out there with you. I love and we see, we seem to have a good time and you know <laughs> run into some wacky people and it's just a lot of fun. So there's almost always a story to be told. Yeah. Some yeah. of which we can't tell here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save those for a campfire. Yeah. We'll save those for so much pingle after dark or something. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to come up with something like that. The, yeah. camp, the campfire tales or something. There you go. Well, listen, I appreciate your coming on the air and yeah. uh, number one, helping me test out this this new um, uh, software for recording interviews. So I appreciate yeah. that. And number two, for helping me round out this Herbert origin stories, uh, which is, is kind of cool, which should be airing pretty soon. So well, there's some there's some amazing personalities out there. I'll look forward to hearing from them. Yeah. 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 I think you'll like it. We, we the, the whole ensemble will be will be pretty cool. So I'm, I'm sure looking yeah. forward to it. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And um, I'll see you in the field sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye. That's it for episode six. I want to thank Jill, Andrew, Cynthia, Liz, and Justin for coming on the show and telling us a little bit about how they got here. You folks are the best, and it was fun for me to hear your stories. And the rest of you out there, let me know if this origin story concept struck a chord, or perhaps struck a nerve. It's time for my end of show ask. If you like so much Pingle, please take a moment to rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. It really helps to bring in a wider audience to the show, and I'll say thank you in advance. Just a couple more things before I go. You can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at SoMuchPingle.com. And you can join the So Much Pingle Facebook group. You can also email me directly at SoMuchPingle at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>